that jarring cacophony, concluding with a hint of classy violin from the four-play string quartet that is their name, I'm not making it up, tells you that another Power of Three podcast episode is upon us. We are a trio of Doctor Who fans who, each week, discuss, digest, digress and disagree as we talk about our favourite time-travelling hero in all forms of his adventures, whether on TV, audio, comic strips, animations, novels, action figures or pasta shapes from Cross and Blackwell. I'm Kenny Smith and this week we're out on location. I'd like to welcome you to the Crystal Bucephalus, which, for those of you who don't know, is a restaurant patronised by the highest echelons of society in the 10th millennium. I, of course, fit in perfectly. However, two of my co-conspirators I'm not so sure about. I'm not dining alone and sitting here bringing us a hint of petit déjeuner of opinion with a hint of mint who's already felt a wee prick today. It's David Steele. Hello, Kenny. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. But you better explain what that wee prick reference is, Kenny. Yes, yes. I got my second COVID vaccine jab today, listeners. So that's nice. So get vaccinated. No smutty innuendo whatsoever here, Tom, because what do we know about a smutty boy? A smutty boy is a lonely boy, Kenny. We should get t-shirts made that say that. That'd be hilarious. Tom, you're here to bring us a hog roast of opinions, which is washed down with some cheese and wine, like the Doctor in the Day of the Daleks. Hello, Tom. Hello, Kenny. Did you say a spit roast or a hog roast? <laughs> I most definitely said a hog roast. All right, OK, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine then. A, a Tom, can boy, I just tell you? Boy, you beat me to it, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Today, it's a case of guess who's coming to dinner. Dave, would you like to explain the format for what we're going to do today? I'd love to, Kenny. Thank you. Yes, we are completely shamelessly stealing the format for today's episode from the, the guest list podcast where my good friend Jake Lambert, available now, podcast host, etc. Give that a listen. It's very entertaining. Jake's been on a quest interviewing some of his, his comedian friends and asking them if they were having a, a hypothetical dinner party. Which guests would they bring? So we're, we're going to do that today. So we have to come up with one living guest from the worlds of Doctor Who, one deceased guest from the worlds of Doctor Who, and one fictional character from the worlds of Doctor Who. Each, you know, each of us come these, and they will be our guests for our Doctor Who themed dinner party. Yep, and we're waiting for them to arrive through all time and space with a time scoop right now as we sit here in the restaurant. Tom, if you had to invite somebody living from the worlds of Doctor Who, who would it be? Well, I was thinking about this. And there are, of course, hundreds, if not thousands, of, of potential candidates. And I narrowed it down to three. Uh, I'd like to say that that was because I have such a broad range of opinion and interest, but it was actually because I misunderstood the format of, of this podcast. <laughs> I, thought we're supposed to, I thought we're supposed to come up with three living, three dead and three imaginary. <laughs> so, of the three that I decided... A very big table. Well, first of all, I should check. Is Maureen O'Brien still alive? Yes. Yes. Oh, thank goodness for that. Right. <laughs> the three I chosen were Maureen O'Brien, Tom Baker, obviously, and Mark Gatiss. And I think all three of them would be fantastic guests. But I think if I had to pick one of them, I would love to sit down with Maureen O'Brien because I just think she's my favourite of the classic companions playing Vicky and I think she was very badly treated by the BBC when she was basically sacked at the end of The Myth Makers and replaced as an definitely companion by Katrina who was who was a companion 
and you know she's made a, a resurgence as uh, you know reprising the role of Vicky in, in Big Finish Audio in, in recent years. And anytime I've seen her interviewed on extras or whatever, I just think she, she she's really interesting character. I just think she would make a great companion. There's not much else to say. That's interesting because I think she comes across as very intelligent, very educated, and generally, yeah, completely agree everything you say, Tom. I think she would be fascinating conversation, particularly given that she now lives in France and she'd have probably some good recommendations for the wine list as well. Well, indeed. Yeah, Maureen would be, would be great. Obviously, you know, as Tom says, she, she has had a whole other career as a as a writer as well, you know, outside of everything she did as an actor. So definitely she, she'd have a lot to say, a lot to talk about. That'd be great. I'd quite like to ask her about the early days of Casualty when she played the hospital administrator. Elizabeth Straker. There we go. Dave, who's your living guest? Well, my living guest is probably going to be really dull and really obvious. I'd pick Peter Davison. Um, He's not dull. Well, no, it's, it's not. It's not what I mean by that is it's not particularly left field. It's not particularly surprising. I just think like a lot of these, you know, listen, especially listening to Jake's podcast, I sort of thought, right, out of all the people involved in Doctor Who, who... who who would I most like to just hear them talk about what they've done? And I think, you know, out of all the doctors, he's probably had the most successful, sustained career in television. So, you know, there'd be all sorts of stuff for him to talk about. I mean, I've read his, I've read his book, obviously, so that'd be a good start because I have that familiarity with a lot of his life. So I'd want to talk to him about Doctor Who, obviously, talk to him about all creatures great and small, talk to him about very peculiar practice, which I will get back to Tom at some point, talk to him about being on top of the pops the same time John Lennon was on top of the pops recording Instant Karma. That'd be a great thing to get an anecdote about. It's obvious from interviews and stuff that he does, that he's done over the years, that, that he's a very funny, a very clever, sharp guy. And I think he'd be the perfect sort of person to have around the table when you've got a group of like-minded people trying to have an interesting conversation. He's very clever, very opinionated. He's been around and he, you know, it'd be, this chat would be good. Fair enough. I think he's, I haven't spent time chatting to him. That's, which I mentioned before in the day I met the doctor. You're just sitting, chatting, a bit of social chit-chat and fascinating, really funny, good company. And yeah, definitely I can see that. Tom, what do you think? I love Peter Davison. I would love to meet him. But, uh, well, I did meet him once, of course. And then afterwards, I realised that instead of asking him about a very peculiar practice, which is one of my all-time favourite shows, and I think he gives me the impression that he li likes to talk about his other stuff apart from Doctor Who. Not that he doesn't want to talk about Doctor Who, but I think he, he does like to speak about that much, you know, a lot of the other stuff he's done. Um, and I realised after I'd, I'd spoken to him that I hadn't even mentioned this show, which I absolutely loved. And I was kicking myself because basically I was, I was an MP at the time, but I, I came across as, you know, a guy holding a plastic bag full of, of, of comics and, and, perhaps, and perhaps a single human foot. You, you know, speaking to him and, and oh, what oh, I love Doctor Who. Oh, Peter, I, I, I really love it. Doctor Who's my favourite. That was it, basically. That was my whole conversation. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah, I loved you were Doctor Who, weren't you? I love Doctor Who. <laughs> it wasn't my finest moment, I'm not going to lie. He must have that effect on people because the first time I met him as well at you know, convention in Coventry or whatever, I, I couldn't talk for about two hours. I was just like, because he's such a pop culture juggernaut, you know. I, mean, I remember the early 80s when, you know, Janet Fielding has made comments about how he was, you know, Flavour of the Month. He was everywhere. And when I was a wee boy, we all thought he was great. And it was just all that sort of is, is the stuff that comes to the forefront. So, you know, of your mind when you're talking to him, and you're just like, yes, Peter Davison. Yeah, it has that effect. 
Who's your first pick then, Kenneth? Who's your living Doctor Who guest? Well, I had, a, I had a short list of five, and I'll go through them super quick. Stephen Moffat, because I think he's, uh, he's, he's good company and he's a good laugh, good dry wit. Sylvester McCoy, because I think he'd be quite funny and could, maybe Tom could finally take a shine to him. We'll not talk about politics, though. Andy, if things got quiet, he could always play the spoons and fall over. Tom Baker, of course, because he's a, such a wonderful raconteur. Peter Capaldi was my mm. other one, because I just think we're talking to an Oscar winner here, and you've seen him in chat shows, and he's got such a good sense of humour, some very Glaswegian wit, and just think, if it's the three of us and Peter Capaldi, I think we'd have a great time. But my choice in the end went to somebody else, another of our Celtic cousins, but I went for Russell T. Davis. Because I think here's a man who's pretty much had the world at his feet when it comes to British television and absolutely in control. He's done some of the best dramas that I've seen. I love Queer as Folk. I love Doctor Who. I absolutely loved Casanova. And what we saw earlier this year with It's a Sin is quite possibly my favourite TV show ever that's not Doctor Who. So I think he'd be wonderful. I know he's good company, having had the pleasure of his company on a couple of occasions and met him. Um, his emails are always really funny. You read him in DWM and his columns are a hoot. And I know that he absolutely loves scurrilous gossip as well. So I think that would be great fun as well. So from on this occasion, I'm going to go with somebody from behind the scenes and I'm going to go for Russell T. Davis. Good. Good one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I can imagine if he's in the right mood, if he's feeling suitably gregarious, it'd be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, if he's not feeling too overwhelmed by the crowd at a dinner, to, uh, dinner <laughs> party. Because uh, yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't genuinely doesn't like uh, public crowds um, and doesn't like, apparently, he doesn't like MPs wanting to get the photographs taken with him, but let's move on. <laughs> we better uh, use our space-time powers now to summon somebody from beyond the grave and time-scoop them from before they died. So, Dave, who are you going to time-scoop to bring to us here at the Crystal Bucephalus? Well, my pick is, again, going to be screamingly obvious. Yeah, John Pertwee, simple as that. I remain a massive fan and completely in awe of the gentleman. There's an account on Twitter to follow, I can't remember what it's called, Saucy 70s, something like that. And they've been doing a thing recently with um, a photograph of John Pertwee a day. And it's just all these photographs of John just looking amazing in the 70s and just being really cool. Similar to Davison, but I think in some cases, perhaps maybe more interesting in that he had a very, very long life, very, very interesting life. The first volume of his autobiography, Moon Boots and Dinner Suits, is fascinating. One of the best autobiographies I've ever read because I think we all know that he used to heighten and exaggerate some of the stories that he would tell at conventions. And I get the feeling if you had him in an intimate sort of dinner party setting, some of that would, be, would maybe be toned down. But he would have some amazing stories to tell because the life that he had, the range of stuff that he did, you know, Carry On Films, Hammer Movies, Doctor Who, Russell Gummidge, his military service, everything he did in the radio, his whole light entertainment career, stuff with his family. I would I would get Johnsy back, and I would get Johnsy back, I'd bring him back from sort of roundabout, ooh, March 1983, when he's just made The Five Doctors, and he's just been on Nationwide with Peter Davison and Patrick Troughton, where he's still coasting on the success of Russell Gummidge, and he's enjoying being back playing the Doctor again. And as, and as he said, he's enjoying the benefits of the repeat fees. So I think I think that'd be a good time to get him back because he, you know, he, he would still be at the height of his powers, full of, full of stories, and just such an absolutely fascinating guy. I would love, would, love, would have loved the chance to sit and, you know, 
spend some quality time with him and pick his brains and just just listen to him basically. Fantastic. And having seen him at conventions several times, wonderful raconteur, I mean, ridiculously tall stories. You don't know what's true and what's not, but I agree completely. I think that he would be a great choice. I'm also glad that I didn't pick Tom in the end because the pair of them would have been trying to outdo each other. Yes. Tom, where are you heading to? I mean, first of all, uh, I, I, John Perry was my, my doctor. He was the one that was in the role when I first got into the show. I just I was just doing a quick search while we were talking there, looking for Moon Boots and Dinner Suits because I've never read it. And you can get it on you know the audiobook. And it's narrated by Terry Malloy, which is interesting. Mm, interesting. Yeah, didn't know that. Anyway, my pick of Dead Person is actually from exactly the same era. I would bring back probably, I was, it's a choice between turnsticks or barrelettes. And they are, of course, you know, so in, intricately combined, really, as a force for good in Doctor Who. So I'd probably bring back turnsticks for this particular party. I would love to have met him. I deeply regret that I never met him. It would be brilliant to be able to go to this uh, weird dinner party that you two are apparently going to be at and, and be in the company of, of turns. I think that would be amazing. Absolutely great choice. I cannot, cannot fault that. Again, man with great stories and great company, and he loves his Bellhaven, so that's what I bought him when he, as we mentioned way back in episode two, when he came up to an event and discovered Bellhaven best, and that was, uh, I even sent him some afterwards as a, as a thank you for his time, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So yes, great choice. Definitely. He worked on all sorts of stuff beside Doctor Who, and we could talk to him about the classic series that he worked on. He was the producer of the BBC um, adaptation of Brat Farah, in the 80s that'd be great pick his brain for all that and talk to him about Josephine Day that'd be great yeah yeah indeed who's your pick then Kenneth well once again I had a short list of three and I will go through them we've got Patrick Troughton as I think he was quite enigmatic in his lifetime but you see him in some chat shows and you think okay the ones that he's, he did occasionally do you think yep there's a lot going on here and I think it'd be fascinating as a character and to hear about his real life firsthand, I think it'd be fascinating because I've read the biography of him written by his son Michael and it's an incredible read about what he got up to in his real life you know the, his, his private life was fascinating and I think he had three families in the go at one point so I think that'd be interesting another one I picked was John Nathan Turner, because I think he'd have been fascinating just to find out what the hell he was thinking half the time. And I'm sure that he would have gone, it'd be quite interesting to hear him talk with Russell T. Davis. But in the end, I went for an actor, somebody who I had the pleasure of spending a bit of time in the company of over the years. And I've gone for the brigadier himself, Mr. Nicholas Courtney. Mm. Again, fantastic raconteur, does a fantastic Frankie Howard impression, which will always make me laugh. And... I just think he's, he's such a such a sad loss and it'd be nice just to be able to have one more evening in his company and just just have a giggle and just let him kick back and enjoy himself. And I think particularly if Terence Dix is going to be there and of course John Pertwee as well. So yeah, I think we've got quite a, a nice little triumvirate there. Very good. Mm. So finally, we're allowed to invite somebody fictional to our party. So this one I'm looking forward to immensely. Let's see, Dave... Who are you going to bring along? This is one that I kind of didn't have the, the immediate sort of straight answer for, you know, straight away. Didn't quite a short list. And I thought of a couple. I thought that, you know, Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart would be really, really good. Talk about his military career. And, That'd be fun you know, if you had him and Nicholas Courtney at the same time. Yeah, 
<laughs> it, it would be. It'd be very, very metaphysical. I thought about Jamie McCrimmon, because he would have a lot to say about his, his life and everything. I, I settled on Sarah Jane Smith, the journalist, and we would we would maybe get her from during the, the Sarah Jane Adventures TV series, you know, because she would have a lot of stories to tell, you know. We could talk to her about the, the real world journalism stuff that she worked on, but also um, we could talk to her about, you know, some of the, we'd get the real details on, on whether or not the Loch Ness Monster attacked that energy conference or what went on at that power station that one time and all that sort of stuff. I think it would be really, really interesting to get that sort of, if we're, if we're extending our sort of sense of disbelief and imagining that, you know, that all of Doctor Who is real, etc., and all that kind of thing, um, it be, should be a fascinating person to talk to in a real world situation, just kind of give us, what's the word I'm thinking of, the real scoop when everything that goes on, all these strange things that happen in the world at times. So, yeah. I say that's a fair point, Dave, because journalists always make the best guests at dinner parties, I've found. Tom, what do you think? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, um, uh, because we're so erudite and <laughs> eloquent, and we're always coming up with really good stories. And if they're not ours, we can always appropriate them from someone else. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good choice. Tom, who are you going to bring into reality? I narrowed it down to three, because at first I thought Strax would be quite funny to bring along to a, to a dinner party, because he's, he's basically mental. And you, it's always good to have at least every dinner party I've ever been at has got one mental person there who you wish after about half an hour, wish they weren't there. And I think Strax would probably be like that. I mean, I think he'd be funny at first and become really irritating after a wee while. So I, I, I crossed him out. And then I thought I would quite like to have dinner with Roger Delgado's incarnation of the master. Because if you're looking for an, an urbane, whimsical, very humorous, entertaining guest, you know, you can't do any better than that. But then I thought he would probably massacre everyone and start start shrinking people. And you'd have to take his wee doodah away from him to stop shrinking people until after the dinner party. And that could cause a wee bit of a, an atmosphere. So I thought, nah, that's just too much, too much hassle. So I settled on Mike Yates, who I just, I just think is one of the most interesting characters in classic who ever because it was such an unusual storyline in Invasion of the Dinosaurs that here we had a regular heroic member of unit who was to all intents and purposes you know a black and white character you know you, you know, everyone in Doctor Who had a good or a bad basically and yeah. very few shades of grey and then suddenly you get Mike Yates betraying unit betraying Earth basically uh, for some weird half-assed green agenda that he didn't really quite understand himself. And I just thought, and it was, and it was also, you know, that I remember watching that at the time being really shocked. And then he, he made a, a reappearance in Planet of the Spiders and it was a really interesting character arc. And I just thought, yeah, bring him along. He's probably had some kind of second or third breakdown by now and he'll probably start crying halfway through dinner. And, He's probably on drugs, but now, now that I think about it, actually, he's, he's gone through his old Buddhist thing. He's gone through, so he's, 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 he's tried to betray the earth, tried to kill people. 
He's a really bad driver, as he proved at the beginning of Planet of the Spiders. He's he's gone in for the whole Om Mani Padme Om nonsense with with the, the monks, and so he's probably had another couple of breakdowns. He's on drugs. He's probably in his fifth marriage, but now I just think he's <laughs> very interesting character. Am I yep. am I not That's... being sensitive enough? No, not at all. That's I was not the choice I was expecting. I was expecting yeah. somebody a bit more outrageous. Like, I don't know. I mean, Strax, I thought, is very much sort of, was what I thought, yep, that's pretty much the sort of person I kind of expected. So, yeah, quite yeah, surprised. Mike, Interesting. Mike could quite the journey from like being blown up in the Time Monster and missing the three doctors to going undercover in the Green Death and the crystal doing something funny to his brain. And well, wouldn't there be yeah. a problem then if we've got Mike Yates there and the Brigadier's there as well? That could cause a bit of an atmosphere. No, I think um, I think I picked Sarah Jane Smith, didn't I? Yeah, it's so, set yeah. between them. Yeah, so well, the Brig- Nicholas Courtney's there, so maybe as long as it's not actually no, Richard Nicholas Frank, Courtney's not there. Brigadier is there. Oh no, <laughs> Nicholas Courtney's coming, isn't he? You, you were going yeah. to pick right? Yeah. Okay, so, right, that's fine then. That's fine. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, but I mean, um, so there's one thing I remember actually. Kenny may remember this: the, the brief little bit of tension that there was between Nicholas Courtney and Richard Franklin for that while in the nineties. But Richard Franklin was a member of the whatever it is party, and he got Nicholas Courtney along to speak and to try and get to raise funds or whatever. And Nicholas Courtney wrote letters to newspapers who accused him of being sympathetic to Richard Franklin's agenda. And as as the brigadier put it, "No little England or me." Remember all that sort of stuff. So that that would be. Well, that's just. Let's just have a dinner party when we get all the unit more back together. Well, bear, bear in mind, I'm not, I'm not inviting Richard Franklin. I'm, I'm inviting Mike Yates. Oh, yeah, I'm just saying it'd be interesting if we had if we had Richard Franklin along as well as Nicholas Courtney, just to watch the spark. And then if we had did have the Brigadier, there'd be similar awkwardness between the Brigadier and, and Mike Yates. But you're right. Yeah, you're interesting. Can, I, can I just say before you give us well, your final choices, this is turning into a fucking nightmare of an evening. <laughs> Isn't it? This, this is just a disaster. This is the worst dinner party ever. It's just going to be... You've got to film this and put it on as an extra for one of the DVD box sets. Yeah, it's almost one of those where it's like real life and fiction are becoming intertwined and confusing. Yeah. Well, thankfully, my guests aren't too bad. I mean, I've, I had a short list. Like you, I was thinking perhaps an incarnation of the master, but I went for Missy. But like you, Tom, I decided that... Go a bit mad and probably try to poison us all. So I'd try and preempt it to make sure that the soup had an anti-poison in it. So it might taste a bit funny, but it would cancel out Missy's poison for us because I think she'd be completely mad and very entertaining. And then, as you say, kill us all at the end of the night. Another one I thought about was inviting Rassilon. As we quite interesting. <laughs> I was thinking about Rassilon actually, but yeah. I hear I hear he's really dull and he's he's just a wee bit pompous. Yeah. Yeah, and wants to kill everybody as well, ultimately, I would imagine, so... Yeah, you could get Rascal on and he could come on and tell you what it was like making um, Licence to Kill in the Living Daylights. No, which, which Rascal on? Because I hear she's a black woman now, according to one of the comic books. Is that not right? I think that happened in Time Lord Victorious. I think that was, I think that so, was a ref. Right. I mean, I was I, thinking I, sorry, I meant to say she's a black woman now, obviously. I forgot to miss <laughs> it, obviously. <laughs> I was thinking the Timothy Dalton incarnation because ultimately I was thinking he might be kind enough and tell me the secrets of time travel so I could build a time machine. The other couple of names that I thought about were Perry, 
and Amy Pond because I'm sure that they'd have great stories to tell and um, yes, they definitely make our table look far more interesting. You would just try and get that's what you would do. What an outrageous comment. But ultimately, my choice is somebody who I think would make sure that there's no pomposity at the table, somebody who would make sure they have a laugh, bring a bit of a sense of humour to it all, and I have picked Lucy Bleeding Miller from what? The Eighth Daughter oh, of Sur- Adventures. What Played a surprise. Sheridan Smith. What, what a surprise. Of course. Well, let's be honest. I didn't, genuinely didn't think of that, but obviously, of course it is. Well, course I'm glad I'm glad it's Lucy Miller and not actually Sheridan Smith, because <laughs> Sheridan Smith, who actually used the phrase in a BBC show recently, this business we call show. <laughs> I mean, for that alone, obviously, she should be banned from every social occasion that is ever going to be organised in the future. But Lucy Miller would be slightly more uh, acceptable. Lucy Bleeding Miller, yes, I think she'd um, bring a touch of fun. There'd be no pomposity, and she would, if somebody was being a bit up themselves, I think she would tell them. But yes, I think Lucy Miller would be good fun, and she'd give, she'd bring a bit of northern, northern English humour, and yeah, I think we'd all have a giggle. So that okay. would be my final choice. Right. Quite an interesting gathering we have well, then. Can, can, a good... Right. Is someone be keeping score? Can we go through a list of our final nine guests? Final living guests then. Peter Davison was mine. Maureen O'Brien, is that yours, yep. Tom? Yep. Kenny, yours was... And Russell T. Davis. Russell T. Davis, okay. I'm no longer with us. Um, I picked John Z. Pertwee. Tom, you picked... Terence Dix. Terence Dix. Kenny, you picked... Nick Courtney. Chris Courtney, right. And then for fictional, I picked Sarah Jane Smith, Tom picked Captain Yates and Lucy Miller. So there we go. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's... Do we have starters or puddings? What's your preference, gentlemen? I'd like to have some soup. What about you? Can we not have both? I've never been at a dinner party. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Would it be wine or whiskey? Well, probably wine, I would have thought. No, I'll have neither. I'll I'll have some Bailey's Irish cream, please, if I have to have something. If not, then I'll just stick to the sparkling water, please. Bailey's Irish cream? What did you drink before you were a woman? (laughs) Well... You have to ask Lord Rassilon. <laughs> right, okay. Well, for, for, for starters, I want my own homemade chicken patty, which is superb. And for my pudding, I want uh, creme brulee, which is the king of all the puddings. Um, do we have Do we have music or do we do party games? We could ask uh, Lucy Miller to get up and sing. Now, hold on a second there, Sparky. Uh, do, does, does Lucy Miller sing? Or are you confusing her with an actor who may play her? I'm sure she can sing. We just didn't hear it for copyright reasons. That'll do. Right. Well, at, at, that, at that point, by the way, I'm getting my coat. As soon as she takes the floor. That probably covers it. I think we've fully exhausted our, our, our ripping off of Jake's format, so that'll do. That'll do as well done. I never got to get my starter or pudding though. Oh, right. Okay. What are you having then? I would have a prawn cocktail made with emperor Ooh. prawns because I bloody love them. And prawns. for my dessert, I will have a chocolate fudge cake with vanilla ice cream. Thank you very much. With raspberries as well. You've got to admire our, uh, I'll say confidence, but I could equally say arrogance in thinking that there's an audience out there who really want to know 
what we would like as a starter in a fictional dinner party. Hey man, if they're still listening after how many minutes this is, of course they're going to know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, listeners, if you've stuck with us this far, thank you for making it this far. Both of you. <laughs> <And remember. laughs> yeah, thanks to Steve, thanks to Melvin, thanks to Peter for listening as always. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Power of Three Pod. That's Power of Three with the number three rather than written out in full. We have a website, powerof3pod.com, again with the number three, where you can find past episodes and articles. And we have a Facebook page. So please feel free to pop by, like the page, and share your thoughts on our episodes. So, Tom, before we actually get the orders in, would you like to say farewell to the last three listeners? Of course. Thank you all for, for tuning in and for downloading. I'm looking forward to being uh, uh, your host again at some point soon. David? Yep, thanks for listening, everyone. Happy eating. Take care. Eat and enjoy. And from me, Kenny, thanks very much for listening in. And we're playing out today since we're talking about food, so we might as well go with the song all about food. It's the Fast Food Rockers. Can I take your order, please? Fucking okay, hell.